coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. This is the award-winning Parareality Radio. I'm Sandman, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour this evening. Good evening, everyone, and thanks for tuning in tonight. Well, it's Monday, August the 5th, 2013, and that means, of course, that it's time for another episode of Parareality Radio. Okay, so in case you didn't notice, uh, I didn't do a show last month, and I think that I owe everyone not only an explanation, but an apology as well. So first of all, I want to address that and say that I am sorry. I'm very sorry that I did not do a show and, and basically did not let anyone know that I wasn't going to do a show and basically just kind of disappeared, dropped off the radio radar for a, for a month. Uh, I had every intention on doing a show, but however, I've, uh, I've been doing a lot of traveling over the last couple of months, both professionally and personally. And, um, there was that independence day holiday thing that came up and kind of caught me by by surprise, in fact, I, I, I've been traveling so much that I didn't really have time to put together a July show in the first place. And like I said, it, it the month of July kind of snuck up on me, and and it was here before I really even realized it. I know I should have sent out an email or a Facebook update or post on the website or something like that, but I didn't, and. I sincerely apologize for for not doing that. But in order to make up for it, I'm going to be doing two shows this month. So uh, you've got this show now, and then the makeup show won't be until August the 19th. So make sure you mark your calendars for that and don't miss it. So for August, well, actually for the next... Uh, Six weeks, I'll be doing a show every other week. So we kind of like the just like the old days back on the live 365 days. So, uh, like I said, the August 19th is going to be a makeup show. So mark that down on your calendar. Make sure you don't miss it. And and uh, I'm going to be back to making regular updates to the website and my Facebook page and all that as well for the month of of August and for the remainder of the time. So I'll keep you all updated and posted as to what's going on. And once again, I want to uh, say that I am very sorry. I sincerely apologize for uh, my oversight and just basically dropping the ball. So uh, you'll have to forgive me for that. And, and uh, <clears throat> well, let's move on. Let's move past it. So let me tell you about what this show is going to be. Tonight I'm going to be discussing a subject that is very near and dear to my heart which is people with disabilities and the paranormal. Now, I know you're asking yourself, what do you mean by this? Well, what I'm specifically referring to is how can we, as professional paranormal investigators, incorporate people with disabilities into our investigations? People with disabilities have an interest in the paranormal, too, just like those of you who are listening to the show and just like me. They want to be able to help investigate, but due to certain physical limitations, the common misperception 
I just made up a word, misperception. <laughs> so, as I was saying, people with disabilities want to help investigate, but due to certain physical limitations, the common misconception is that they simply just can't. Well, I'm telling you, that's not true. So, on tonight's show... I'll be giving you my top five ways that people with disabilities can participate in your paranormal investigations. If you are a member of an organization, the head, if you're involved in the leadership of a paranormal investigation group, or maybe you are someone who has a, a physical disability, um, this show Hopefully, we'll give you some insights into what it is that you can do to bring these people in, or maybe as a person with a, with a disability to um, approach a paranormal investigation group. But as usual, before I get into the show, let me tell you how you can get in contact with me, because... There are several different ways that you can do it. Obviously, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know what I'm about to say. First-time listener, here you go. Here's all the different ways you can reach me, Sandman, here on Parareality Radio. First of all, you can find me on Yahoo Messenger by using my screen name, which is GreyDragon98, and that's spelled G-R-E-Y-D-R-A-G-O-N with the number 98 onto the back end of that. That's GreyDragon98, no hyphen spaces, Periods, dots, dashes, anything like that. Just all one continuous Grey Dragon 98. That's on Yahoo Messenger. Now, if you're not already on my contact list on Yahoo Messenger, please let me know that you listen to the show whenever you send me a friend request. Otherwise, I will decline your invitation. And that's thanks to all of the spammers that are now on all the instant messenger services who are asking people for donations to watch their webcams and stuff like that. So just let me know that you're a, a fan of the show or that you listen to the show whenever you send me a friend request on Yahoo Messenger. You can also get in touch with me by sending me an email. My email address is sandman at parareality.com. That's sandman at parareality.com. Dot com, or you can just go to my website, which is www.parareality.com, and uh, check me out on there. I'm also available on Facebook. If you go to Facebook, just look for Sandman.Parareality. And uh, on Facebook, you can uh, send me a friend request. You can check out all the latest happenings behind the scenes here at Parareality Radio, stuff that I I uh, don't post on the website a lot of uh, uh, my inner thoughts and workings and stuff like that and uh, some even non-show related items here and there. Uh, so that's Sandman.Parareality on Facebook. And finally, you can still call the studio line 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, anytime that you want to. And leave me a message, or you never know, I may be there working on the show. I'm, I'm in the, the studio office several days a week, at least I am now that I'm done with all my travels. Uh, anyway, 
you never know when I'm going to be there. So you may want to call or leave a message, or you may want to call and, and expect him to leave a message, and I actually answer the phone. So the number you can call is area code 615-692-1170. That number to call, once again, is 615-692-1170. And just leave me a message. Now, just be aware that I may play your comment back on the show. So if you do leave a message, you are giving me permission to play your comment back. If you don't want me to play your comment, tell me when you leave me a message, hey, I don't want this played on the air. Um, Like I said, I may answer the phone as well because I'm always in the studio working and you you just may catch me there. Now, something that uh, people ask me a lot is, Sandman, you know, you're doing this show as a podcast, why are you giving out all of these instant messengers and you know telephone numbers and stuff like that when you don't do the show live? Well, I do some live shows every so often, and these things are left over from when I actually, back several years ago when I actually had a live show. So I still kept the, the, the phone number. I still got my Yahoo I am, um, and... I still do a live show every so often, and I still hopefully one day will bring the live show back. Um, but for now, it's going to be mainly podcasting, pre-recorded stuff, and uh, I, I don't know. I just can't bring myself to get rid of the, rid of the telephone number and rid of the, the instant messenger. Um, and it, it's ways you can interact with me. I mean, I may be on the computer uh, when you send me the friend request, I may be in the studio when you call. You never know. So um, I'm just going to keep those things around for a little while. You know, so those are all the different ways that you can get in touch with me, Sandman, here on Parareality Radio. So let me take a little bit of br- little bit of a break, and I'll be back, and we'll get started talking about how the disabled can be a part of your paranormal investigation group. I'm going to take a break and let you listen to a little bit of Soundgarden, and this is an appropriate song. I think it's been away too long. So I'll be back after this, and we'll start talking about how the disabled can be a part of your paranormal investigation.
You are listening to the award-winning Parareality Radio, winner of the 2013 Paranormal Award for Best Radio Show. Join me, Sandman, as I take you on a journey to a world beyond science where ghosts, poltergeists, UFOs, and other strange phenomena exist. New episodes are broadcast the first Monday of every month at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Turn on, tune in, and find out. Okay, that was Soundgarden with Been Away Too Long, which I think is, like I said before the break, a very appropriate song because I have been away, MIA, too long. But now I'm back, so uh, nothing to worry about. Everything's cool. Let's get on with the show, and let's talk about my top five ways of how people with physical disabilities can help participate in your group's paranormal investigations. Now, I'm going to do this in reverse as most countdowns go. I'm going to start out with the number five, and I'm going to work my way down the ladder to number one. So... Some of these you may already be familiar with. You may have already thought about it yourself. You may have already heard of. may not come as a big surprise. Um, I think that um, a couple of them are probably um, unique. Um, I'm not going to say groundbreaking because I always hesitate to to say stuff like that. Uh, but I don't think that... Um, if anyone else has thought of these, I don't think that that um, it's been made uh, popular or whatever. Um, anyway, my top five list. Number five, research. I know you're saying, oh, God, I knew you were going to say some shit like that. Yes, research. Like I said, some of these are probably stuff that you've already thought of or heard of before. But nonetheless, there are ways that people with physical disabilities can help with your paranormal investigations. Now, a research position, as far as I'm concerned, is something that's very important. You've got to have someone who is able to pay a lot of attention to detail. You've got to have someone who is willing to devote the time that it takes to sit around and look through a whole bunch of what 90% of the time is nothing and boring. But nonetheless, research has to be done. Now, why did I pick this to be on my list? Well, I'm talking about people with physical disabilities. Let's just say that this person is confined to a wheelchair for whatever reason. Either they're paralyzed or... um, They have multiple sclerosis or Parkinson's or whatever, but let's just say that this person can't walk. Or maybe it's someone who can walk, but they have to do so with assistive devices such as uh, crutches or canes 
or maybe they have to wear special braces on their legs, which limits their physical mobility. So people who have limited physical mobility are used to doing things with their mind to occupy their time versus doing the physical things. For example, you may be one of those outdoorsy type people who likes to go for a hike, jog, bike ride, walk, etc. People with limited physical capabilities can't do all those things. So they have to find other ways to um, stimulate themselves, other ways to to pass the time away. And most of these are mental exercises. So what better way, what better person, should I say, would be suited for a research position than someone who is used to taking all of their mental focus and using it on a project. Um, now, this may be stereotyping. This may be um, offensive to some people. However, I think that it's a very it is it is a wonderful position to put someone with a a physical limitation in. Because, like as I said, that they're 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 used to taking their their mental resources and devoting it to tasks that you and I may otherwise find boring. So the research position is something that I think most people don't place a high emphasis of importance on, which it actually is. Um, now, this isn't a position that's, of course, actively involved in the, the actual investigation itself, but it is involved with the group, and it is involved in the investigation in some shape, form, or fashion. So if you have someone who has a severe physical limitation, maybe this would be the best position to put them in, the position of researcher. And it involves more than just sitting behind a desk in your house looking at stuff on the computer. To do it properly, you're going to have to go to Hall of Records, Courthouse, Library. You may have to um, talk to people in the neighborhood. You may have to track down court records. You may have to track down uh, uh, tenants or previous owners. Uh, there's, you know, all the history that is involved in the location. So it's more than just sitting around on your laptop or, or sitting around on your, your desktop at home. It's actually getting out and doing some things, even though it's not part of the active investigation itself. So it's, it is a a way to get these people involved. It is a way to get them out of, out of their house. And it is a, a way to help bring them into physical contact with the outside world. So not only is it good for them, but it's good for you as a organization as well. So that's number five. Number four would be the position of case manager. 
Now, a lot of people think that the researcher and the case manager are the same thing, and yes, in a lot of organizations, the case manager does fill the role of a researcher. However, if you do have one of those organizations where the case manager and the research person are one and the same, this gives you ample opportunity to bring someone with a, with a disability or limitation in and create a position for them, i.e. research or case management. So what does a case manager do if they're not going to do research of the history of the place? What is a case manager going to do? Well, a case manager is going to be usually the first point of contact when someone calls your organization looking for help. If they're not the first point of contact, they should be the second point of contact. They should be high up on the list. As far as I'm concerned, if you're going to have a paranormal investigation group and you're going to have a presence on the World Wide Web, which everybody seems to have these days, uh, you're going to advertise your services, the point of contact should be a person in a case management position because this is the person that's going to take the initial call or receive the initial email or what other form of communication may be used. They're going to talk to the person. They're going to do a, a brief interview with that potential client to find out what's been going on, how long has it been going on, some some brief facts about the case, and then they're going to present it to the rest of the group or the leadership of the group, and then it's going to be decided on what to happen there. So the, the case management position is a very important role, and it should be, if you're going to do it right, it should be the first point of contact from potential clients. That's why the person in a case management position needs to have excellent people skills, and it is a very important position. So case manager is another one of these positions that can be filled by a person with a physical disability. And I can see you rolling your eyes and going, yeah, tell me something else I didn't already know. Well, as I said, you may have already figured this out for yourself, but a case management position is another perfect position. No, they don't always have to actively participate in the investigation itself, but a case manager can brief everybody that's going to be involved in the the investigation on, on what to expect, what's been going on, do case files on the events, the people, where it's been going as far as what's been going with the what's been going on with the events, the history. Maybe that case manager needs to uh, interview some neighbors. They're definitely going to be interviewing the family members and the the people that these paranormal events have been happening too. So it is an active role, once again, in the investigation. It just may not be going on the actual investigation itself. And if you have a separate case manager and research position, these two positions, these two people are going to work very closely with one another. And maybe... They're going to be on that interview team that goes 
to the location and interviews together the people that this has been happening to. Maybe they're going to research everything together. Maybe um, one person is going to interview, um, you know, if it's a family, one person is going to interview mom and dad and the other is going to interview the kids or, you know, vice versa or, or, or husband, wife, whatever, you know. Um, but it's it's a it's a active position within your organization that a person with a physical limitation can can perform that they can do. So it, it's very important. It's a very important position, and it goes hand in hand with research. So I think that is it would behoove you. And and this is speaking in general terms. Forget we're talking about people with physical disabilities here. It would behoove you if you have if you if you're a part of one of these organizations, especially if you're a leader and you don't have a research department and a case management department. If you don't have these two things separated, you should, because the case manager doesn't need to be the sole person that's involved in doing all the research behind the history of the property, the history of the individuals, so forth and so on. The case manager needs to be concerned with, number one, being that first point of contact, screening each potential client, presenting the client's case before the governing body of your organization, and then once the case has been declined or accepted if it's declined the case manager needs to be the person who will politely decline the case if it's accepted the case manager needs to be the person that says okay we've accepted your case we're going to set up an interview these are the people that are going to be coming and the case manager needs to attend that that meeting and the case manager needs to interview everybody that's involved with said paranormal event and be in charge of doing the research as far as research department, here's what you're going to do, this is what I'm going to do, this is how we're going to go about it. So it has to be a person like researcher that's very detail-oriented and that's that that's used to being in front of people and that's used to talking. Um, has to be a person that uh, has good people skills, I guess is basically what I'm trying to say. So those are my number five and my number four. Research and case management. Now, moving on to number three. This is one that you may not have thought about before, but is something that I think is a way to actively involve someone with a disability, a person with dis- with a with a. Has, you know, I keep wanting to say handicapped. I guess I'm showing my age. You know, it's not a PC term anymore. Handicapped. So uh, I keep wanting to say handicapped, but I don't want to offend anyone, so it's not handicapped anymore. It's just people with disabilities. So the number three is actually um, maybe two things combined into one. It's the equipment manager slash trainer for the group. And when I say trainer, um, I'll, I'll kind of I'll go into detail in that in just a minute. But equipment manager. So what what is the equipment manager? Well, obviously, it's the person that's in charge of keeping up with all the equipment, making sure it's in working order, 
making sure that you have the proper equipment to go with you and your team when you do an investigation because not every piece of equipment will need to be taken on every investigation. There are some pieces of equipment that are more specific to one form of investigation or the other, and the equipment manager needs to know what these pieces of equipment are and who can use what, who can use what better than someone else, and specifically what needs to go on each investigation. And when I say trainer, I'm talking about train your people how to use the equipment. Yes, you may have some people that are better at using one piece of equipment than the other. You may have someone who really loves to use a digital recorder and they're a really good EVP technician and that's their thing versus you may have someone else who thinks that it's just the most badass thing in the world to have a thermal imager if your your group has one and that person may want to use the thermal imager every case all the time and that may be what they're good at. They may be able to discern things that other people can't. However, Everybody in your group needs to be trained on how to use every piece of equipment. Not that they're going to use every piece of equipment, but they need to know how to use every piece of equipment just in case they are called upon to use it. And the equipment manager needs to know how to educate, and I'm not just going to say train, I'm going to say educate everybody in your organization how to use every piece of equipment. So it's going to be more than just, okay, here's your digital recorders, here's your digital camera, here's your thermal imager, here's your motion detector. You know, it's, it's going to be more than just maintaining equipment and making sure they're cleaning and working or and they got batteries and then handing them out. It's going to be training each and every individual person within that organization how to use the equipment. So once again, going to need to be a person that's very detail-oriented. It's going to need to be a smart person. It's also going to need to be a person who can have the ability to educate. Just because someone knows about a thing doesn't mean that they're going to be a good educator. Just because I may know how to do calculus doesn't mean that I am going to be the best person in the world to be able to teach you how to do calculus if you don't already know how to do it. So it's this is an extremely important position, and it's going to be one that's going to need to, you're going to need to have some, you're going to need to think about who you're going to put in this position. But if you've got someone who is physically disabled, physically limited, then this is a good person to put in this organization if you think that they're going to fit the bill. Maybe they're not interested in case management or research. Maybe they don't want to do all that. But, buddy, they know everything about every piece of equipment known to mankind when it comes to paranormal investigation and they're really into it. Man, that's the person you want to put in charge of your equipment because they're going to make sure that it works that it's clean, that you know how to use it. So it's, I think, uh, I'm not going to say overlooked. That's not a, a, a good term.
term to use, but it's a very downplayed position as far as how important it is for an organization. It is a very important position to have. And if you've got someone who's physically disabled, who has limitations, once again, maybe they can't walk. That's kind of what we're we're talking about here when we're talking about physical limitations. If, you know, they're missing an arm or they have a paralyzed arm, that's one thing. You've got another arm. But if you can't walk, you're going to be confined to a wheelchair. That's how you're going to get around. You're going to have to roll your ass around, whether it's, you know, manual or whether you've got an electric wheelchair, you know, or hell, even a gas-powered wheelchair, whatever. Not do they make those things, but you know what I mean. That you're, if you can't walk or if you have difficulty ambulating, you're going to have a hard time fitting in on on investigations. So these are ways that you can take these people and make them an active part of your paranormal investigation or your your organization, should I say. So the education, the equipment manager and the trainer should be a position that is combined all into all into one and you can come up with some sort of fancy name for it if you want to um i don't know i can't even think of a good one off the top of my head right now um another another thing that this manager slash trainer can do is also be responsible for making sure that everyone knows the rules and regulations of your organization they can hold um weekly or monthly training classes for new members and hell even for people who have been in for a while you know they should people who have been in for a while just because you know I've been a member of your club for 5 years you know um doesn't mean that um uh, I know how to properly work this new uh digital recorder that my organization just bought so maybe I need to go to that training class. So, you know, once again, it's going to have to be a person that is detail-oriented. That's a people person, and that can actually educate and teach. So those are five, four, and three. Number five, research. Number four, case management. Number three, equipment manager slash trainer. i got to think of a good name for that equipment educator um, education management education education manager did I say that already technology manager tech manager I don't know Hell, if you got an idea, email it to me, sandman at parareality.com. Never know. I don't know. I'm try, try, I, was, I, I racked my brain before I started doing this show about what can I call this besides equipment manager slash trainer. There's got to be a, 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 good, a, a good term for it. What I liked was education manager, but it, it doesn't necessarily involve the equipment side of it so I don't know equipment manager slash trainer so I'm kind of talking to myself now aren't I? so now we're, we're we've talked about 
numbers five through three. Now we're going to get into my top two. And one of these things I know that you have actually heard of before. As a matter of fact, this next one that I'm about to talk about, I know that you've heard of before, thought of before. And and that's the person who sits at your command center and monitors everything. People have different names for this, you know, Central Command, Command Central, Command Center, Headquarters, Command HQ, blah, blah, blah. What I call this person is your base commander. You've got to have a base of operations. And wherever you set up to have your video monitors and your fresh batteries, fresh equipment to change out or whatever, that's going to be your base of operations. The person that's sitting there and running that is going to be called your base commander. That's just my generalized term for it. And I know you probably have thought of this already or have already heard of it. But yes, there you go, your base commander. And I've had people who have come up to me and who, who are who have disabilities. And they say, you know, they always want to put me, you know, sitting in front of the computer monitors watching the video. And I really don't want to do that. I want to be out actively investigating. Well, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But, you know... This is actively investigating. It, it may not be sitting in a room with an EVP recorder or walking down a dark hallway, but it is active investigation. You're going to have to have someone to monitor the video and the audio and review stuff on the spot. A lot of people swap it out and, hey, that's fine if that's what you want to do. But if you've got a person who has some sort of physical limitation, like they can't walk, they have difficulty getting around, what better position to put them in to, when they're actively doing an investigation than as the base commander? Once again, you got to have someone that's very detail-oriented. All these positions need to be detail-oriented. Uh, you got to have uh, someone who can multitask. And people I have found who have a physical disability are really really good most oftentimes at multitasking a lot of times better than us because they have to be because they're trying to roll around in a wheelchair or, or or whatever and you know do things that we take for granted like open a door and hold it open so they can get through turn on a light switch you know simple little things that they have to worry about doing while they're maneuvering this big piece of equipment that they're sitting in so that's the number two thing base commander. And I kept that short because I wanted to spend a little bit more time talking about my number one thing that you can do for a physically disabled person in your paranormal investigation group. The number one job for these people is to be an active paranormal investigator, a regular part of the team, just like everybody else. Now, why is this my number one, and why is this subject near and dear to my heart? Well, because I have investigated with a person confined in a wheelchair. And I'm not going to lie to you, it was hard. You know, not as hard as what you think it was, but it made the whole process a little bit more difficult. Um, but this person was, it had a great attitude 
and was bound and determined that a wheelchair wasn't going to keep her from actively participating in an investigation. And this was an investigation that I was in charge of. And I specifically said, you know, she was one of those people that come up to me and said, you know, uh, every time I try to go help investigate, they always want to stick me, you know, at the computer monitor and be, you know, the base commander. And I said, well, if you want to investigate, you want to go out, let's do it. So we made some special adjustments to our team. Um, obviously, you're not going to have someone who is going to come in there in an electric wheelchair. You're going to need to some someone that's going to go in with a manual wheelchair. And the reason I say that is because there's going to be times when you're going to need to get that person out of the chair and fold the chair up and take it somewhere. And this person should obviously never investigate alone. You need to have someone who is paired with this person. And when I say paired with them, I mean this person needs to be the partner with them all the time because they need to be very well in tune with what this person can and cannot do as far as their physical abilities go. Oh, there's my creepy clock going off every show. My creepy clock chimes off. So it's midnight as I'm doing this right now, so you can hear my clock, my creepy clock chiming midnight in the background. So what are you going to have to do to get someone who can't walk or maybe has limited walking capabilities? Well, like I said, you're going to have to get someone that's a partner with them, someone that's willing to be a partner with them, all the time because you're, they're going to need to know this person's can can do's and can't do's. And they're going to have to have some specialized equipment. They're going to have to have, obviously, the manual wheelchair. This person is going to need to be strong enough to be able to lift the person in and out of the wheelchair should they need lifting in and out of the wheelchair. And with what I'm describing, they are going to need to be lifted in and out of the wheelchair. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some places that the person is not going to be able to go. There are some things that this person is not going to be able to do. And we all know what those things are. They're not going to be able to um, go out on a ledge or up on a roof or, you know, like they probably shouldn't, shouldn't be a good idea for them to go out in the woods or anything like that, but indoors, creepy building, they can go indoors in a creepy old building just like anyone else can. Stairs, psh, stairs should not pose that much of a problem as long as there's someone that can help them up the stairs. In my case, this person was in a wheelchair, couldn't walk up and down stairs. There was no elevator to take this person up and down. So you know what? Folded that damn wheelchair up took it up and down the stairs, went and got my partner, picked her up, carried her up and down the stairs as I needed to. Now, you're, like I said, you're going to have to have someone that's physically able to do that. Maybe this, may, maybe the person can walk but has assistive devices like canes or crutches or something like that. Make sure you just help them up. You're going to have to have a backpack to carry some of the equipment around in it's it's doable it's just a little bit more difficult so what what can these what can these people with the, these physical limitations can do almost anything it just takes a little bit of extra effort so you want them to do an EVP session take them into a room let them do their EVP session 
if they want to operate the thermal camera, hand them the damn thermal camera and let them operate it. If they want to take digital pictures, let them take digital pictures. If they want to go from one room to the other, assist them to go to one room to the other as safely as you possibly can as long as you know it's safe. It may involve, you may have to send scouts out to the location during the day to map out safe zones and unsafe zones. Once again, not a problem. Just takes a little bit of extra effort. You've got to have people who are willing to do it. So a person with a, a physical limitation can go and be an active paranormal investigative member. They can be an active team member just like anybody else can. I should know because I've seen it. I've done it. I've helped people do it. It's not all that hard. They can do more than just research. They can do more than just answer the telephone and sit behind the computer monitor. They can do more than just train people on how to use the equipment. And yes, I've said that they can do all these things, but they can do so much more. It just is a matter of being smart and willing to go that extra mile as a group. And you have to do it as a group. Yes, I know I just said you need to have one partner with them and that partner needs to go with them all the time, but the effort is a group effort. That's what we did on my paranormal investigative team. I made the decision, hey, we're going to bring this person with us on the investigation. And you know what? My team members were like, man, that's great. How come we haven't done that already? No problem. As long as... The person is showing willingness and knows what their limitations are and what their their can-dos and can't-dos are and shares it with the group and is open and honest, then everything should be fine. So a, a person with a disability is able to do just about anything that anyone else on an investigation can do. Like I said, you just have to be smart about it. You just have to know what the cans and can't-dos are. And the most important thing besides being honest and having an open line of communication with that person is, I think, the pre-planning ahead. And like I said, maybe you just need to send someone out there to walk through the place, find the safe zones, you know, the danger zones, the safe zones, where they think the person can go and where they can't. But other than that, they can do just about anything. Because, I mean, really, how much physical stuff is involved in doing an investigation? It's really, you know, depends upon, I guess, the location. But it's really not that big of a physical feat, you know. So if you have a, a, a team, if you have a a paranormal investigation group, please, I'm asking you to please be open-minded to people with physical disabilities and let them in your group. Give these people a chance. If it works out, it works out, and I think you will find that it's going to be one of the most rewarding things that you have ever done is to help someone with a disability accomplish something that is a dream of theirs. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but at least you will have tried. Please, I'm asking you, 
to be open-minded with this and accept these people into your organization with open arms and let them, if they want to be an active investigator, at least give them a shot. If it's not going to work, then there's other things that they can do. But if they want to actively participate, let them, let them try. Accept them like they are. Work with them. And I think you'll find that they can do just about anything that anyone else can do. And like I said, this is a, a subject that is near and dear to my heart because I have a good friend who is physically disabled and is in a wheelchair. And we have done investigations. And you know what? It wasn't that bad. I was kind of dreading it, I'll be honest with you, when I said, okay, yeah, we'll do it. In the back of my mind, I was like, oh, God, why did you agree to do that? It's going to be such a hard time. But you know what? It was fun, and it was rewarding, and it really wasn't that difficult because we had a good team. We worked out a, a pre-plan, and everything all fell into place. So, as I said, please, please, please accept these people with open arms and invite them into your organization. Well, that does it for the show. I'm running out of time rapidly. I hope that you enjoyed tonight's show, and I hope you learned a little bit. Let me know what you thought about it by sending me an email. That's sandman at parareality.com. Also, please remember to visit the website, www.parareality.com. When you're there, you can find out all kinds of information out about the show, Um you can listen to current and past episodes, and if you click on the Extras tab, you can join the official Parareality Radio forum. It's free to join. doesn't cost you anything. You can shop in the Parareality Radio store, and every dime that is made in the Parareality Radio store does not go into my pocket. It goes back to the production of this show, so I earn nothing. But I ask you to please, please, please visit the store and buy something and help me support my paranormal habit here. And uh, while you're at the website, you can even watch some show videos and some other stuff there on that extras tab. Also, don't forget to look me up on Facebook. That's Sandman.Parareality. And you can also hear the show there as well. And you can also find out more about what's going on behind the scenes in the world of Parareality Radio. My next show is going to be available on Monday, August the 19th. 2013. That's my makeup show for missing the July show. Topic to be determined at this point in time, but make sure you mark it on your calendars. That's Monday, August the 19th, 2013. Be available at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. So turn on, tune in, and find out. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that this radio program opens your mind up to new ways of thinking, expands your consciousness, and produces a change in the way that you see the world. If you wish to change, you must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. Hope you have a wonderful evening, and I'll see you again on the 19th of August. I'm going to leave you with a little bit of uh, Slash's band. This is Slash with uh, Miles Kennedy. Um, this is uh, Anastasia. So, uh, hey, rocking it out to end the show. We'll see you on the 19th. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.